Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Wouldn't it be cool to do a whole show about the missed connections section of Craigslist? We could talk to a guy who studied over 10,000 of these ads and hear what he found. It was a weirdly touching experience to interact with this analysis. And what if two Tony-nominated songwriters took those ads and turned them into musical numbers? We edited them, obviously, for the songs, but we did not make up anything. Everything was exactly from these posts. We should definitely talk with people who've posted with success and not so much success. And like two months or so later, I received an email through Craigslist from the hairstylist. No results, which is typical. No, no, I didn't hear that. All that and the key to making your missed connections post memorable. I'm Kyone Wolf. That's coming up next on Audacious, right after the news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Has this ever happened to you? You're heading into your favorite restaurant to pick up an order of ramen, and on the way out, an attractive person wearing an NPR hoodie walks out, and you see the logo, and you reflexively say, hey, I love NPR, especially Audacious. And the person in the hoodie goes, yeah, I love NPR too, and Audacious is meh, but I do love fresh air. And because you're available to date, you're doing some quick calculations, right? Like, okay, they like NPR, that says a lot of great things about them, cool. But they're not a huge fan of Audacious, so that's a big, fat strike. But then again, Terry Gross is pretty great, so that says something too. And while you're doing all these calculations, hoodies back in their car, blasting all things considered as they glide out the parking lot. So you pick up your ramen, Head home, pull up craigslist.com, and open up a fresh new post to missed connections. The empty title line stares at you. You think this could be the beginning of something. Hoodie could read it and be like, it's them, it's the one who likes Audacious and Ramen, OMG. Or they could read it and be like, who does this Audacious loving punk think they are? Thinking a fresh air fan would ever go out with them. Or absolutely nothing could happen. That's the vibe of Missed Connections. And on today's show, we're talking to people who've posted to it with varying degrees of success. They've made musicals out of it, and they've studied the hell out of it. Like Ilya Blenderman. He's a senior journalist engineer at The Pudding, which is a collective of researchers who aim to explain ideas debated in culture with visual essays. In 2015, he studied data from over 10,000 Craigslist missed connections ads. I had a lot of questions for Ilya, but the first one was, why? I've got a background in academic research. I study psychology. I got a master's in psychiatry. And for the longest time, I've been fascinated by the fact that people often say things about themselves that don't necessarily reflect their underlying motivations. Yeah, uh, we come across the sort of thing very frequently in psych studies. And I thought that Craigslist misconnections would be a perfect opportunity to study how people really feel 
about a really interesting uh, and, and generally really affecting topic because this is kind of the, the place where people make themselves as vulnerable as possible. We all know how difficult it is to tell someone that you've got a romantic interest in them. And this is this strange hub where everyone is doing nothing but that. So I was really just intrigued by the possibility of mining that vein from a, a data standpoint. And you looked into so many, you looked into a bunch of cities, you looked into time of day, you looked into, you know, words people used, uh, at least perceived gender. What were some of the big takeaways from this research? I had expected that, for example, New York would be the place where everyone would be writing misconnections because you see people on the subway all the time, you're intermixing with people much more than you do in cities where everyone's a driver. And sure, New York had significant numbers, but surprisingly enough, Dallas was the city that had the greatest number of misconnections per capita. And I, I'm not quite sure why. Different cities also had different times where people tended to post. LA was, for some reason, like the frequency was Monday afternoons was really the day, whereas Dallas, again, was kind of all over the place, like later in the afternoons at the start of the week. And then Sunday was a really big day. Uh, I mean, somewhat expectedly, I found that men tended to post a lot more missed connections than, than women. And there's some research that suggests that any sort of interaction men typically have with women results in the impression that, oh, perhaps there's a, you know, so you're saying there's a chance that that fame is down the dumber line. Uh, whereas women don't really have that sort of uh, impression when they interact with men. So on average, I'd say it's it was three postings by men for every posting uh, created by a, a woman. You, you know, you'd find that the types of misconnections, so men looking for women, women looking for men, women looking for women, and uh, men looking for Man, I think I've got all of those. Well, except for non-binary and trans people. Yeah, exactly. This is 2015 where where uh, you didn't quite have uh, a fine-grained taxonomy on misconnections. And uh, you'd find that men posting tended to be a little bit older, for anywhere from around 33 to 37 years old. Women tended to be in their mid-20s to early 30s. And this is only the ones in which you could find this information out, like they said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and kind of the, the caveat here is, look, all data is flawed to some degree. Uh, and so this is these are my best guesses at what's actually happening. You know, maybe everyone out there is just pretending to be uh, 25 year old women, maybe there are no women posing on those connections, but I, I guess that it's not very likely. But men tended to post shorter messages overall. Women tended to write a little bit more. There's so many nuances here that we could just kind of keep going, but uh, it was a it was a tremendously rich data set and a really interesting look at the generalized behavior of all of these groups. So it it was kind of a a weirdly touching experience to interact with this analysis. There were about 10,000 posts, yeah, that you looked at? There were. So yep. <laughs> 
among those 10,000 Craigslist misconnection posts, I, I, I bet you're probably the person in the world who's seen the most besides the, the algorithms behind Craigslist. Did any one of them stand out to you in any way? You know, when I think back to working on the analysis, not so much, but I will say that after I published the piece, uh, a number of people had reached out to me and said, you know what? Uh, I know you say throughout the text that you're not aware of any of these relationships necessarily panning out, but this is how I met my wife. Here's a picture of us with our kids and, and our dog. And uh, it was a, it was a really moving experience because, you know, people not only connect with the work that you're doing, but they're saying, Hey, like here is the the outcome of all of this, vulnerable searching for romance and connection out there. So I think uh, the flurry of emails that people sent afterwards justifying the need for misconnections, it was, was uh, something that, that was really heartening for me. Well, Ilya Blinderman, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Ilya wrote about those 10,000 Craigslist missed connections for Vox. And we're going to hear from him again at the end of the show. After reading all of those ads, he'll give you some advice on how to make one that'll stand out. Another way to set the stage for you, in a manner of speaking, is to look at how these missed connections ads are also kind of a perfect representation of the human spirit, right? Full of promise and risk, desire and, well, melody? Anthony King and Scott Brown are both Tony and Emmy-nominated writers, whose work you may know from Beetlejuice the Musical and Gutenberg the Musical. What they're only slightly less known for are their musical interpretations of Missed Connections ads. To the guy I caught masturbating in his car in the parking garage I wasn't as put off as I may have seemed I mean I was put off but you don't look like the scumbag type And you were probably just as scared as me I'll let Scott Brown explain, and then you'll hear from Anthony King. We actually grew up together in North Carolina and then later moved to New York and were roommates. And then we weren't roommates, but we were still wacky media, theater, comedy people in time when that was like the wild west in new york and uh and anthony was artistic director of the upright citizens brigade theater which was kind of a big deal yeah literally an underground comedy club <laughs> literally underground at that time actually actually underground under under a <laughs> the best club. ones are yeah <laughs> and uh yeah in this kind of dank space like all kinds of crazy things were happening and one of the crazy things that happened was our 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 friend Charlie Todd put together a show that was just about basically stuff he found on Craigslist. And he talked to us about- yeah, He put out a call for people to send in comedy sketches on Craigslist and of course got insane submissions. And then we performed them on stage word for word. And so for that show, this is where this idea came from was what else can we do from Craigslist? <laughs> right. Like, like here's this crazy stuff. And at the time, Anthony and I had, had written a, a, a musical together. And so we were like, well, we, we could make songs out of it. So we just sort of took the text of some of these 
wackier uh, personal ads and misconnections and casual encounters, all the, where the, the 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 sort of wilder and woolier stuff was on Craigslist, and uh, just found ones that we thought were funny and started just seeing if they suggested some melodies, and then you know just did some rinky-dink music with it. We edited them obviously for the songs, but we did not make up anything. Like everything was exactly from these posts. Considering you're on public radio, we, we have a similar sense of you, you can't make this stuff up and you you don't want to make this stuff up. Exactly. And that's what makes it so special. And then some of the songs are, you know, they're, they're titled from the subject lines of the posts, like to the guy I caught masturbating in the parking garage, uh, you dropped your Bible. Scott, you did a lot of the heavy lifting on the making of the music for this. And the compositions are quite lovely. I'd like to hear about that process when when you would choose a post like, say, you dropped your Bible. I saw your thong. You dropped your Bible. I saw your thong. I saw your thong. You dropped your Bible. When you saw that post, did the melody and the vibe of it just come right to you, or did it come like? you know, after an extended ayahuasca trip, like how did that, how did the music and the melody come to you? I, I wish we'd had ayahuasca at that time. I think it was, we were, we were more limited. We were so young. <laughs> we didn't have a shaman. We needed a shaman. <laughs> you do need a shaman, that's true. You don't want to do that without a shaman. <laughs> if we had posted on Craigslist, it would have been seeking shaman <laughs> and better drugs. Um, we were, I mean, for that one, for um, Drop the Bible, that one definitely came out of a conversation Anthony and I had it just immediately uh became a like a religious like a revival song like a gospel song of some kind it was like there was absolutely I mean, the bible was already there but there's even kind of a rhythm to it that was like I mean I think we just started singing it to each other over the phone it was just like you dropped your bible I saw your song I saw your song <laughs> and like I mean it's like it's like that's it's obviously that's it <laughs> Anthony was lead vocals on that one too I think reach, reaching back to his Southern Baptist roots. I, I grew up in church, so it was very comfortable to come. Not a lot of thongs in my church, but now when I when I listen to the when I listen to these songs, I think like this is not just an afternoon on a Casio keyboard. Like these, that you put some production value into this, and I know that you know you've, you've written musicals, Beetlejuice, of course, there's Gutenberg. This couldn't have been just a lightweight project you knocked out in an afternoon. Was it more than you bargained for to do this project, or uh, not? Was it worth it? This is where Scott really did do the heavy lifting because I would just go, sounds great. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> we need a longer fade out at the end. That's it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, now that I have two children, there's really nothing in the world like not having two children in, in terms of time. <laughs> you know, there was so much free time and and the idea of of like the community we were in was just this kind of like, everything was like found object art. It was just like, what can you kind of harvest from this crazy city and this crazy world and turn into something? And you just ended up staying up half the night messing with songs and stuff like that. And GarageBand was new. I mean, I didn't even know Pro Tools or anything like that. I was, it was very rinky dink, but. I do think we, we were lucky that now, obviously, there's TikTok. There's so much social media to get instant gratification from posting things like that. <clears throat> when we were making these, that was not the case. Some people were making money on YouTube, but it wasn't what it is now. But we did have a stage. 
uh, and we had this comedy community and people we could get that gratification from. So it, that helped give us a reason to not just pour effort into things that were like, well, we like it. No one will ever see it. Like we at least had a small uh, feedback loop. Yeah. What what we lacked in the in the TikTok tools, we made up for in actual people in a very smelly room. And we would be so huge on TikTok right now. <laughs> <laughs> you really think so? <laughs> I'm saving that for when I'm 50. <laughs> I'm wondering because you you know fire hosed your attention for a certain amount of time back in the day on this project. Have you ever been tempted to post in missed connections yourself personally? Oh, one million percent. I mean, I don't want to speak for Anthony here, but I would say that everything we have ever made fun of, we probably identified with more than we. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to. One hundred percent. Because that was the other side of like staying up all night messing around with a song is like you are also obviously very lonely. <laughs> you are obviously. To me, the, the pathos and yearning of all of these posts are what make them interesting. Like the details are are insane but the there's just like a a tragedy at the center of it or at least and but coupled with hope that there is someone out there who wants to do what these people are looking for and now of course you can go on reddit and those there's a community for all these things but at that time there wasn't you were there's people i just imagine people sitting around going i have this yearning and i have no idea if anyone else shares it but and so miss connections was a and the craigslist was a place to go throw a fishing line out into the world that we, you know, now we have many more opportunities to find those people. But there's something too about like the idea of missed connections, the idea that you can go to the laundromat and lock eyes with somebody and you leave the laundromat and you're, you're thinking about it still. And you think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post on missed connections. I just want to see if that happens. Like yeah, that sort of that yearning, right? Yeah. And that it worked for some people is amazing. It's like miraculous. And it's the essence of all musicals too. I mean, it's definitely like, it was a, a certain time when the internet seemed magical instead of gross. And it was still, it was still gross. Well, magical and gross, but yeah. It was still gross. Yeah. It, was still <laughs> it was still gross. gross, but it seemed, it was, it was gross, but it hadn't become, the disgustingness of it had not been codified into these like little tribes and Reddit groups and everything else. And there was, there was, there was still something kind of charming about it. And it was like, it, it made the world and the city at the time, like just kind of like a crazy romantic musical, like exactly what you would want things to be where happenstance turns into romance. And like you. Well, and we do talk about when you're writing a musical, musicals more than any other like narrative art form, I think have center on a character with a gigantic want. And we talk about in musicals, the I want song, which is usually or a song early in the show where that character just lays out in a way that you can't, if you aren't hearing the inner thoughts of a character, uh, exactly what it is that they're searching for. And that's kind of what all these songs are to some degree are just big. I want songs filtered through the internet, right? Like a song is how you access a character's inner monologue. And that's what Craigslist was doing too. It was, it was accessing an inner monologue that, you know, it was, it was exciting to hear that id given voice, you know, and, uh, now, of course, it's less exciting because the id is always <laughs> there. The id's more angry now. Yeah. The id's running for Congress. The id's, yeah. There's the other side of it, too, which is the person who's going to Missed Connections to see if anyone's looking for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. 
which may or may not be me. I will neither confirm <laughs> nor, nor deny this. <laughs> oh, it was it was it was it was definitely me between the years 2002 and 2008 or whatever. I can only imagine that thrill if you're reading one and realizing that it's you. I don't even know what to compare that feeling to that someone is realizing that you're the person they're talking about and the fear mixed with excitement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Anthony King, Scott Brown, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. When we get back, stories from people who've posted on Missed Connections. You got to try like gambling or gold digging or the the stock market. It's all just a crapshoot. If my situation were different, like I totally would have given him my number. And um, I had no way of telling him that. Craigslist was the only way I knew how. So I just kind of put it out into the universe. Lo and behold, he found it. He wrote back to me. I wrote back to him. And he was my hairstylist for a number of years thereafter, all thanks to Craigslist. Plus one missed connection turns into a marriage. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. You drop your Bible, holy Bible, holy Bible. I saw if you did your, your ever-loving thong. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash elevating health. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. This whole episode is inspired by the missed connections section of Craigslist. You know, where people post stuff like, we made eye contact when you were on the crosswalk at Woodland in Asylum. What up, cutie? If it's you, tell me what color car I drive. Or you came to my restaurant and your order was supposed to have asparagus. Sorry about that. I'd love to take another order from you sometime, but next time you'll get extra asparagus. My producer, Jessica, and I combed through ads from both here in Connecticut and across the country to see if we could get someone who posted to talk with us. We replied to over 50 missed connections ads using subject lines like, I'm not the cutie at the crosswalk, but, or I'm not the asparagus person, but, and, well, crickets, except for these two. Vince Clortho, which I know you know this, but I'll remind you, is a reference to the Ghostbusters character, also known as the Keymaster, a demigod and minion of Gozer alongside Zool, and it's also the pseudonym of our guest, Although, wouldn't it be cool if the Keymaster posted a missed connections ad? Saw a key waiting in line at the ATM. Get at me, cutie. 
Vince lives in Colchester, Connecticut, and he posted on Missed Connections after an encounter at a laundromat. I asked him what happened. I was in between uh, loads, dragging the wet stuff to the dryer, and uh, as I was walking in, uh, I caught the eye of someone across the laundromat, and she didn't look away like most people normally would or do. So I looked at her and she was still looking at me and I continued on doing what I was doing and uh, later thought about it and thought I should throw something up online and see what happened. Now, did she leave first or did you leave first? I left first. Uh, I think she was folding laundry or, or maybe loading the machine. I couldn't quite see, but she stood out being taller than everyone else. And I guess that was the key to catching her eye. Now, why didn't you say something before you left? Uh, normally, I do laundry either early in the morning or late at night to avoid a cram-packed laundromat. And uh, being around people right now is obviously not the thing to do. I have other things going on, uh, running errands and such. So, uh, Actually, I was in the middle of doing my hour-long workout. I'd throw a load in, do a half-hour walk, change the load, and then go for another hour walk or half-hour walk. And it didn't seem like a good time to strike up a conversation. Now, when you got home after your walk and you thought, all right, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to post on Misconnections. Had you ever done this before, posting on Misconnections? Uh, yeah, uh, no results, which is typical, but... Uh, you know, you got to try like gambling or gold digging. <laughs> it's sort of the stock market. It's, it's all just a crapshoot. So. You can't win if you don't play. Yeah, exactly. How much did you think about her after you posted this? It was on my mind in the back. Uh, I guess a little more than usual, but you know that might be because of the pandemic and everyone's lonely and not doing anything. So what else do you have to think about? And I may be projecting here. In fact, I probably am. It's one of my favorite things to do. But I love a good story, especially a meet cute story, like, you know, seeing someone at the laundromat and posting on Misconnections and, you know, maybe they see it. And that's the beginning of our story, right? Capital S story. And I, I'm curious about how much you, you think of it that way, too. You know, like, this is just a really cool way if she writes back, if she's someone who would be significant in your life later, how much of posting on misconnections is also like, well, this would be a cool part of our story. Uh, I can, I can see the attraction there and, and how people would uh, romanticize that. Um, I'm not sure I'm one of those people. I've never done the online dating thing and stuff like that. Uh, I grew up in a time where there was a stigma behind it, and that's changed very quickly. But I don't know if my opinion of that has changed a whole lot. But I'm thinking about trying it more and more, uh, so that, that might change. It doesn't have the same stigma like it used to, so maybe someone can convince me of seeing it another way if it works out. I don't know. Maybe. Well, Vince Clortho, thank you so much for being brave and talking to me. Oh, sure. Thank you for uh, the chance. This next Missed Connections ad caught my eye. It read, You said I had nice eyes and noticed my hiking boots. I was taken aback, but flattered. I definitely would have given you my number if the situation were different. 
and I wanted you to know, but I'm sure you won't see this. I wrote to this person, and Alex Ferrante, pseudonym again, and you'll see why, got back to me. She lives in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and I asked her to tell me what led up to her posting this ad. So it was it was a Saturday, like right the week after New Year's, right? It was like January and bleak, and um, Omicron was like raging. We hadn't left the house in weeks because of that and snow, and like my kid had been home for daycare and snow and all that. So we just hadn't left the house. And, um, I also right before Christmas, um, had had a miscarriage and I, it was my second one in a row. So I was just like really very, very sad. And so my husband and I were trying to, you know, figure out what was going on and what to do. So I had gone to the doctor the day before and the doctor had no answers. And, um, we had started going to like, like learn about adoption and like that just realized it's going to be a long process and talk to family about um, like fostering from adoption, which is something we had talked about. And we had talked to them that morning and realized like, Hey, that's like a really, really hard path. Like it wasn't off the table. It's a really hard path. So that was like the day I had. Um, so after we had that call with this family that we know about adopting from foster care, um, took a nap. And then I went to the grocery store and, um, I like, cried on the way over there because I'm just been really sad. So I get there and I'm just picking groceries and I, I noticed some guy who's kind of looking at me, but I thought it was because I was kind of struggling with my groceries. I didn't have a quarter for the cart. So I was putting all my groceries in bags and then they were getting heavier and I was kind of struggling. So I thought he was just noticing me struggling. And then, um, a little bit later on the other side of the store, he approached me and he said, excuse me, uh, you know, you have really nice eyes and, um, I noticed your hiking boots and I don't, I don't remember if he said anything after that, but then I realized what was happening. And it's just so out of the realm of anything that like ever happens. And certainly that happens to me now in this phase of my life and certainly how I was feeling. And so I just looked at him and said, Oh, I'm, I'm married and, and have a kid. And then he looked really embarrassed and said, Oh, and I said, yeah, it's been a while. And then he kind of walked away and that was the extent of the encounter. And then you went home and posted on misconnections that you said, I definitely would have given you my number if the situation were different. And I wanted you to know why. Yeah, a couple of reasons. Um, I lived in, um, in New York, in Brooklyn, right after college. And in my mind, before I moved there, like that was how I was going to meet someone. Like I had a fantasy that I would meet someone in the grocery store. Like that's what I feel like. You know, you watch romantic comedies and that was like a very specific fantasy of mine. It was always over um, like a cantaloupe or a grapefruit or something. <laughs> a weird vegetable. Like someone would ask me what a rutabaga was. I don't know. It's your meat cute story. Exactly. And it never happened, right? Because dating is hard and dating in New York is really hard. It never, ever happened. Um, and then like, it kind of happened like, um, in, when I was in this really sad place and at the wrong time in my life. And, um, I don't know. So it, it like really meant something to me. Um, and I felt bad that he, felt embarrassed. Like I didn't want him to go home and feel like, 
oh, I totally blew it. That was so embarrassing. This married lady. Like I wanted him to feel encouraged and I wanted him to know that like, actually it, it did mean something to me. And if my situation were different, like I totally would have given him my number and um, I had no way of telling him that. So I just, I don't know. Craigslist was the only way I knew how. So I just kind of put it out into the universe and um, you know, I knew he wouldn't see it, but it just seemed like the only thing I could do. So I did it. Do you tell your husband about it? <laughs> it's funny. I told one friend um, and that was the first question he asked too. Um, I, I didn't tell my husband. Um, I think, you know, if it were a different situation, I could come back and say like, oh, I got, I got hit on, on the grocery store and it would have been a funny story. But um, like this kind of just felt too like close. It just like had to be something that I kept for myself. So I didn't, I didn't tell many of this. Since you posted it and you haven't heard back, right? No, no, I didn't hear back. Um, how much do you think about this? Like a good amount in the past couple of days, certainly a lot in the few days after. Yeah, it just kind of um, kind of shocked me out of my system and my grief a little bit. Um, it just reminded me of this person I was like when I was younger, like a decade ago. And then it made me think like, well, I'll be someone else 10 years in the future. And, you know, at that point, my kid will be older. And, um, you know, I've been like very much in this parenting mode for the past couple of years, and it's kind of all consuming. And so these pregnancy losses felt like very devastating. It felt like this is my whole world. And if I can't be a parent again, like it just felt, um, yeah, just devastating. And so it seemed like this very brief encounter sort of reminded me like, well, you were someone else before and you'll be someone else again. And like, if this doesn't happen, you know, you'll just like fill the space with other things and like, maybe it'll be okay. And it obviously didn't like fix everything, but I don't know. It just, I think gave me like a little bit of a, a glimmer of something of a little perspective or something. If you could connect with this person and say something to him, what would you say to him? I'd say that what he did like really just made me feel seen. And um, I really appreciated that. Like he put himself out there and made himself vulnerable. And um, I don't know, that wasn't like for nothing. You know, I just, I felt the whole time that he was embarrassed and I just wanted him to know that it was actually like really kind what he did. And I just had no other way to convey that. Well, Alex Ferrante, thank you for telling me your story. I'm sorry for your loss. And I really appreciate that you're brave uh, to tell me all of it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Finally, this next one is a friend of mine. Allison Holst-Gruby from Manchester saw me posting on the social medias about how my producer and I had been emailing missed connections all day, which, by the way, what a sweet gig we've got going on here, right? And she wrote me saying, hey... I was reunited with my long-lost hairstylist on Miss Connections. What? Yes. So many years ago, um, I found randomly a hairstylist who I really liked. It was at a cost cutter, super cuts, one of the chains. I can't remember which, and it probably helps that I can't malign them now through this interview because I don't know who it was. Um, and I had a stylist who I really, really loved. 
And I went to make my, you know, every three, four month haircut appointment and I requested Matt and the receptionist said, oh, he doesn't work here anymore. And I was so sad and they wouldn't give me his information. And I did not have his direct phone number at this time. I always made appointments through the salon. So I already was a big Craigslist missed connections fan. I just as a hobby over the years, I've loved to read them. I mean, most of them do seem to be sketchy men hitting on women into the void and the internet, but occasionally there's a story that I would see that I'd really root for. Uh, so I thought, why not? I'll try to find my hairstylist on missed connections. So I just wrote up an ad describing him, describing myself, describing where he worked. And I said, please, if you're out there, contact me. I need someone who can cut my wavy hair. Uh, and like two months or so later, I received an email through Craigslist from Matt, from the hairstylist. He had opened up his own shop in East Windsor and didn't have my personal information, so couldn't let me know. Uh, but a woman who worked at the gas station down the street from his salon read my ad. <laughs> she, like me, apparently enjoyed perusing Miss Connections as a hobby and read the description of Matt and said, I think this is Matt from down the street. So she showed him the ad and lo and behold, he found it. He wrote back to me. I wrote back to him. And he was my hairstylist for a number of years thereafter, all thanks to Craigslist. For those who have thought about posting on misconnections for whatever reason, and they're not quite sure if they should, what would you say to them? Do it. I mean, in, in my case, there was no romantic angle at all. So if I didn't hear back from the person, I would never feel a sense of, of shame or embarrassment. In this case, it, it worked out. Uh, but even for those who do post for romantic purposes, if you don't hear back, you don't hear back. You never get a direct rejection, right? That's better. Those are the best. <laughs> Those are the best. And maybe you will hear back. And and I think ultimately it's, I don't want to say healing, but I think it can be very um, just good for us to express our thoughts and feelings and put them out into the void because you never know who might read them. It may not be the person you're seeking for whatever your purpose is, but Someone else like me will read your ad and be hopeful and years later be inspired to write their own to find the person that they're looking for. And it might be their hairstylist. <laughs> and talk about it on public radio. Yes, why not? In fact, I haven't, I lost touch with, with Matt again. Maybe he will hear this episode <laughs> and will call in. Who knows? Well, Allison Holst Groovy, thank you for telling me your story. Thank you, Kion. After the break, what if it all works out? I was just browsing around one night and then boom, there it was, Matt and Dan, the architects. And I just was like, what? That, that's gotta be me. I'm an architect, my friend Matt's an architect. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. Found myself in a conversation from a missed connection. Standing in a purple dress, with my eyes in the right direction. Find myself in a conversation from a missed connection. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Today we're hearing stories from the missed connection section of Craigslist, and you know, sometimes these things work out. 
I mean, most of the time, yeah, it's radio silence and you feel an eerie and lingering sensation of suspense and foundational disappointment and despair about the changing nature of human connections and will I ever be fully seen? Will I ever really love and be loved? What is this life? But sometimes it really works out. Aaron and Dan Kotke from Minnesota are celebrating their 15th wedding anniversary this year. They have two kids and they met. Well, I'll have Aaron take you back. We were both at a concert. It was a band called Band of Horses. And um, I was there by myself. And Dan was there with his friend, Matt, friend and former co-worker. And I started talking to Matt because I had actually seen him at another concert just a few days earlier. And he looked like this guy that I sort of knew in college. And so I decided I'm going to talk to him. And, and then I met Dan. And um, so we hung out a little bit at the, at the concert. We talked a little bit. And at the end of the show, um, when we were, you know, filing out, we both claimed we were trying to look for each other. Uh, I wanted to give, (laughs) yeah, Dan says I waited for you. Right. Yeah, because what happened during the concert was at one point, so we were talking before the show. And then at one point, Aaron said, I'm going to go move closer to the stage. And me and my friend Matt kind of hung back. And I figured, oh, after the show, we'll, you know, look around and see if we can reconnect. And so after the show ended, my friend Matt and I, we just went straight outside and waited by the doors and never saw Aaron. And I remember talking with Matt, I I was like, dang, that's too bad because she seemed really cool. And love to hang out with her. And yeah, she was just gone. And I was planning to, um, this was not my style at at the time, nor is it now, don't worry, Um, (laughs) to to give my phone number uh, to them, to both of them. And I think part of it was I was still newish to the city. I mean, I guess I had lived in Minneapolis at that point for about a year. And, you know, like I said, I was there on my own. And so I thought, oh, these are guys who like the same music as me, maybe it would be, you know, it'd be fun to have some concert going buddies. And, and then six months later, we got married. (laughs) Okay. 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 Back up. Aaron, what did you do when, when uh, you didn't see him again? I thought I looked for you. Maybe we just must ships in the night, I guess, after the concert, but um, I went home. I think it was probably that night. And I uh, hopped on a Craigslist misconnections and I posted, I remember the subject line was Matt and Dan, the architects, because that was felt pretty specific. <laughs> yeah. So I, I posted something. Yeah. So I posted, maybe you remember, but I think it was just something, you know, I enjoyed meeting you two at this concert tonight. Would love to hang out more. If you see this, reach out. Yeah. And I, I don't know how long it took me to, to find it. Do you remember? I think it was within a day. Really? I was shocked. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could be. So I, I used to kind of browse around misconnections for entertainment value mm-hmm. because some of them are like really sweet and romantic. Some are funny. Some are kind of sad and heartbreaking. Some are a little bit terrifying. Yeah. 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 And creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a real wide mix. <laughs> it's humanity. <laughs> <laughs> I was just browsing around one night and then boom, there it was, Matt and Dan, the architects. And I just was like, what? That, that's got to be me. I'm an architect. My friend Matt's an architect. And you're hoping it's <laughs> the person you wanted to hear from. Yeah, what if it wasn't? <laughs> that would have been really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the, it's like the person who you like bought the merch from, the Band of Horses merch. Right. You're like, mm. yeah. yeah, it was within one to two days. And 
you wrote me first. It wasn't, yeah, it was you. Oh yeah. 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 It was me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't believe it worked. I was kind yeah. of, I had never posted a misconnection before and it's not something that I think I read them sometimes for entertainment value as well, but it was mostly just, I didn't know how else to get in touch with them other than, yeah. I mean, we're in a big city, but it's small in many ways. So there were, there was a good chance. Maybe I would have run into him again. And we also learned we lived just what, four or five blocks from each other at, at the, the time. time. Yeah. But, yeah. And, but then Aaron had already had, had made plans to, to leave that apartment. Oh, that's right. So when we reconnected, she, she was actually farther away but she, he, when we got together. He helped me move though. And that's always a good sign of a keeper. Like we hadn't been together long and he was carrying all this stuff up three flights of, <laughs> of stairs. He let my dog out. That is love. <laughs> so, but yeah. it was fine. This is such a cute story. And, and I think my assumption is that when you post on misconnections, and this is my own story I'm telling myself, I know, but I like I wouldn't post on misconnections unless there was this like vibrational undertone of like there's something more to this. Like this could be the beginning of a story. This could be the beginning of our story. And that's me as the hopeful romantic, right? How much of that was underneath your decision to post. It's funny you mentioned that because I very distinctly remember seeing Dan for the first time. And I'd say in my life, and I don't, you know, maybe others feel the same way, but I feel like, you know, my best friend, I remember seeing her for the first time when I met her in college, but there are people who maybe are very important and meaningful to me now. And I don't remember like, Oh yeah, we just kind of fell into each other's lives, but I remember talking to Matt first and then he said, Oh, and this is my friend, Dan and Dan, Dan kind of like emerged from the shadows. Like (laughs) I I didn't even see him next to Matt. And so he kind of came up and I remember this is going to sound silly or cheesy, but I remember being um, awestruck by how handsome he is. No, I'm serious (laughs) because I felt like, Whoa, that's, that's a good looking guy right there, you know, cause you notice the physical aspect first and now what else can you do? Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember being sort of like taken aback, by um, but I, I was telling myself at the time, I had just gotten out of a breakup, not, not too long before. And I was very committed or, or telling myself that I was committed to, I just want friends to hang out with, with similar interests. And so I mean, we started hanging out kind of immediately. As soon as we connected, it was, um, you know, I'm going to this concert in a few days. And I was, I think I was already planning on going anyway. And so we decided to meet up. And, but then I think within a week after that, we started sort of hanging out just the two of us. And, you know, we had dinner. And I think the whole time, for me anyway, it was like, I'm having dinner with my friend. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh yeah he wasn't me. a friend no yeah. no yeah. For, for me I, I was completely interested in Erin from from the moment I saw her and, and spoke with her yeah. that's nice me too yeah, that is nice. <laughs> for those who post to missed connections you know we've heard from some of them in this show and they're still waiting and maybe they only do it once or they do it a couple times and, you know, they don't really get their hopes up, but, you know, it's better than doing nothing. Your situation is, I guess, uncommon. Not that we have too many stats on all this, but what do you say to someone who clicks post at the end of that misconnections ad? 
Gosh, um, I will say, I know this isn't directly answering your question, but I was Dan's second misconnection. Someone else, he went on a date with someone else who had posted a misconnection about him. Yeah. I don't know, several months earlier. Yeah, it was a handful of months earlier. And I honestly wasn't like trolling misconnections daily, hoping another one would come along. I mean, I would if I had struck gold once, but yeah, go ahead. Right, right. Yeah. But I, but I thought like, there's no way that it would, it could ever happen again. And boom, I, I guess for me, I take a very, or I, I try to take a very life is short approach, you know? And so like, we don't know, you, you may never find the person that you lost touch with. And in our case, we got really lucky that we did, but yeah. Yeah. I think for someone who's posting now, I mean, what's the harm, you know, yeah. like everyone lives on the internet. This is where you're going to connect with people. I mean, we were fortunate. It was 15 years ago and I mean, that feels sort of like lightning striking and maybe, maybe misconnections is even more crowded now. Like I said, I haven't um, been on there since then, but I think um, for anyone who's doing it, why not? You never know. Like if if there's someone you really feel connected to, maybe you'll run into them again in person, but what's the harm in putting yourself out there? You know, Mm -hmm. never know. Well, Aaron and Dan Kotke, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having us. It was fun. Thanks for having us. All right, now I want to revisit our friend from the very beginning of the show, Ilya Blinderman. He analyzed data from over 10,000 missed connections ads, and I wanted to make sure all of us had a good takeaway. Some advice for how your missed connections ad could set you apart. Nick Palmgarten of The New Yorker is one of my favorite writers, and he had a just a, a master class of a story uh, in the early 2010s when he looked at online dating, the history and the developments. And he had mentioned at one point that writing well when you're contacting people via apps or, or platforms like OkCupid is kind of the equivalent of coming to a, a date in a black Mercedes. And I, I think there's, there's something to that in that if you can showcase a little bit of wit, a little bit of self-awareness, that's probably all that's necessary to, you know, raise the chances of making that misconnection stick. So I'd say that. I'd say uh, there's probably no need to overthink it. Just be honest and try and be humble and, and showcase a little bit of humor. Audacious is produced by me, Jessica Severin Martinez, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. Subscribe to Audacious, and you'll always get to hear the show a day early. Plus, if you like this show about missed connections, you're probably going to love listening back to episodes about how a woman communicated her way out of locked-in syndrome using blinking and what it felt like to find out at age 25 that you have an identical twin. You can hear all the places we go at ctpublic.org slash audacious or wherever you get your podcasts. Send me your reactions and show ideas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kyone Wolf, And my email is cwolf at ctpublic.org. Thanks for connecting. Red Speedos and a hockey mask. Come on, let's find that look.